Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. This is probably the Hebrews sermon that I've most wanted to give since we got started. And we've been at it a little while, but this, and, and I meant to do this, and I just got busy and forgot. <clears throat> but we're, gonna, we're, we're in chapter 8. We haven't gone consecutive. We've jumped all over the place. But we're in chapter 8 now talking about a very, 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 very important text in Hebrews 8.13. And I wanted, to, I wanted to quote Andy Stanley from his sermon. I wanted to pull up a little video. What's it called? Vignette? Is that a little section? I wanted to pull up the little section where Andy reads Hebrews 8.13, which uses the word obsolete to describe the covenant. I wanted to also recall if a recording I had with a good friend where we were talking about the law and its place. It was an, a podcast, and my very good seminary-trained friend also referenced Hebrew 8.13 and said, everything that you're pretty much talking about is obsolete. And he was referencing Andy as well. So, <clears throat> this is probably the thing that I have been looking forward to teaching most. We are not done, but this is going to be a pivotal point in our Hebrew series. This is the better, the better not, the better not section of the better than, as I said last week. And we covered some, we covered some nots last week. The Brit Chadashah is not the New Testament. The Old Covenant is not the Torah. The New Covenant is not here yet. And I ended by telling you that the Old Covenant is not obsolete. And someone should say, Stop, Damien! You've gone far enough! The Bible itself says it. And they pull up this verse. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first. But whatever is becoming is growing old and is ready to disappear. So, Damien, you need to study your Greek better. You need to read your Bible better. It says it right there. I'm so excited about this. Let's start with the easy stuff. Speaking of Greek, you may want to just pull up 8.13 and have it in front of you. Here's your first Greek lesson. Kainos. Actually, let's say something else. When he said <clears throat> a new covenant, this is the text from Hebrews. I want you to realize that the word covenant is not in that text. Okay, It's not there. It's supplied by the translators. Now, we are talking about the covenant, so you can, you can say that it's 
implied because it is, but the text, the word is not there. Now that doesn't matter so much here, but it will matter over the course of Hebrews 9 and 10 when we continue to see words added to the text. So what it actually says is when he said new, when he said new, and this is our word, kainos, of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, new, which has recently made is superior to what it succeeds. That is the usage of the word when he said new. Okay? In Hebrews 8.13. And I told you, this is the easy stuff. <clears throat> and this fits our definition of last week when we talked about a new covenant, right? We said it's... it's it's recently made, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's better. The new covenant is better. It's superior. It is novel. It's new. It's not renewed. It's brand new when it happens. This is the same word that's utilized in Luke when he's talking about wineskins. And what kind of wineskins are they? They're new. They're fresh, right? You don't put wine into old. You put them into new, unused fresh wineskins. And so, I want to do something. So we're going to revisit 8.13 again. When he said new, he's made the first obsolete. So let's say when he, when he said fresh, brand new, unprecedented, novel, when he said new, he's made the first obsolete. Okay, that's easy. That's the usage of new, which helps us understand that, as I said last week, it's not a renewed covenant. But let's take, let's play the opposite. Let's play the antonym game for just a second. Okay? Easy. I'll say a word. You tell me the opposite. Good. Loud. Hard. Very good. Doing, doing really well so far. Black, white, good. I'm, I'm enjoying this. New. You were doing so good. Silly rabbits. Obsolete is the opposite of new. Golly. I thought I had a smart congregation. Ready for the harder stuff? Good. Stay with me. It's not really hard. It's very, very straightforward. Here's your second word. Palaiao. And I am not a Greek scholar, okay? But that's how you say that word in its infinitive form, I believe. What does this mean? This is translated as obsolete in Hebrews 8.13. We've just talked about new. I asked you for an antonym. You gave me the wrong one and said obsolete. Well, actually, you gave me the wrong one by saying old. But did you really? Palaio. To make ancient or old, to become old, to be worn out, of things worn out by time and use, to declare a thing to be old, and so about to be abrogated. 
is obsolete looking like it's going to be the best translation for palaio. Not from what we see there, but let's look at the Hebrew as well. There's a Hebrew word, bala, which means, and this is, this is connected to palaio, bala, become old, consume, decaying, spin, waste, waste away, wasted away, wear, worn. Bala describes things like bones and shoes and things that wear out. Sandals, garments, they wear out. And this is the word that describes them. But there's another very important verse I want you to pay attention to. Isaiah 51.6 Lift up your eyes to the sky. Then look to the earth beneath for the sky will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. Bala, become old and wear out. And its inhabitants will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will not wane. Why is that significant? Wow, well first of all, it's almost like there's two worlds. Have you ever heard of this concept? The olam hazeh, this world. And what's going to happen to it? Bala. It's going to wear out. There's a second world, and it is the Olam Haba, the world that is coming. And we know from the book of Revelation that this world is going to pass away. And then what will happen? A new heaven and a new earth. Do you know what word is used for that? Kainos. New, unprecedented, fresh, novel, new heaven, new earth. So, very interesting to note here, new and old. This world and the next world. This world is wearing out. That world is not realized yet. I hope that there's a possibility that you might be able to see the point or the direction that I'm going here. We have a serious theological bias that terrorizes the meaning of Hebrews 8.13 in the current translations using the word obsolete. Do you see that? Can you understand why I'm connecting new and old and not new and obsolete? Can you see it? Good, let me, let me fill in just a, a, a gap. When he said new, he's made the first obsolete. I'm not a Greek scholar, as I said, but let's be logical. Let's be contextual. Let's just look at how this word tends to be used in the rest of the Bible. When he said new, he has made the first old. It makes sense, right? New, old. Not obsolete. Why? It's still here. We are still here. This, this, this world, the, the Torah is actually still here. It's not obsolete. And it, it can't be obsolete. We still live by the laws of Torah, or at least we should, right? I mean, everyone likes to post the Ten Commandments on courthouses. That's 
the Torah, and we're still under that. We're still, I, the Torah will never pass away. Never. And I said last week, we're not living under the new covenant. It's not written on everyone's heart. There are still problems in the world. Furthermore, our obligation to live by the Word of God, we are, we're, we're obligated to this. We're obligated to this. It's not obsolete. And the Torah does not change. We're still loving God. We're still loving our neighbor. Where is that found? It's in the Torah. How could this be? How could this be obsolete? The Torah does not change, and as we looked at last week, it is a fundamental component of the new thing. Remember the whole Jeremiah thing? I'll write my what on your heart. My Torah, God's Torah. So we know that. How could that be obsolete? But here's what happens. If you insert the word covenant in there and you imply you imply you put covenant in and then you also insert this word obsolete to mainstream christianity what are you saying you're saying the old covenant equals the torah equals obsolescence and that's not true and doesn't that sound totally silly to say that God's Word, that, that Yeshua declared God's Word obsolete? Let's pick on the English Standard Version for just a second. In speaking of a new covenant, um, <clears throat> He has made, I'm sorry, English ESV. Hebrews 8.13, and speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Okay, listen again. He makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So for further consideration, he makes the first one obsolete, but but then it's becoming obsolete. Is it obsolete or is it becoming obsolete? Because, and if it's becoming obsolete, at what point will that actually happen? How, when, when is that? Horrible, horrible theology. But very, very accepted interpretation. You with me? So here's the reconsideration of Hebrews 8.13 that comes from, uh, it's called the Tree of Life version. It's a Messianic Bible. It is put together by tons of scholars of Messianic Judaism, peer review, edited. Here's what the Tree of Life version says. In saying new, he treated the first as old. But what is being made old and aging is close to vanishing. You get that? <clears throat> In speaking of a new covenant, whoops, let me get there. Did I lose it? 
In saying new, this is from the tree of life, in saying new, he has treated the first as old. But what is being made old and aging is close to vanishing. That makes sense in every aspect of the word. Every aspect of the verse. When something is becoming old, it's wearing out. And when it wears out, it's gone. Whether it's your boots, your sandals, or your body, or even this very earth. But here's the thing. Something is changing. Something is vanishing. Something is disappearing. Something is becoming obsolete. So I want to hear your guesses. What's becoming What is vanishing? What's disappearing? Say it loud. The earth, someone said. Thank you. I do have a smart congregation. This world, it's that easy. It's that easy. This world. For what we are speaking of in the book of Hebrews, it's not to angels that he had subjected the world to come, olam haba, about which we are speaking. That has been a theme that has run through virtually every teaching I've given in this series. We're talking about a better thing. And that better thing is the olam haba. This world is passing away and growing old like a garment, like Isaiah said it would. And the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant is for this world. If we define the Old Covenant properly, which is our agreement with God to live our lives according to the instructions that He gave us. Our agreement It depends on our ability to uphold our end of the bargain, right? To keep the Torah is our covenant obligation as as believers, as all who are at Mount Sinai who said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. That's the old covenant. And it governs this world. But, and, and that covenant still exists. But through Yeshua, something new has been announced. It's been inaugurated. It's not here in fullness. We've made that point clearly. Something novel, fresh, unprecedented. Something new is going to change something. And what is it going to change? The Torah? The Torah is God's standard of righteousness. The Torah is the measurement by which Yeshua proved that He was your Messiah because He did not violate our Messiah. One Torah commandment. The Torah cannot change. It's not possible. Yeshua did the Old Covenant. He upheld it all. All that the Lord has said, He did. So what's changing? I told you last week about the cycle of Israel's sin. Israel's Israel's agreement, obligation to uphold, failure and fall, punishment, redemption through a Redeemer, reconnection to God, and then 
falling again, the sin cycle and redemption. I told you about that. What's changing? What must change? For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second for finding fault with, you remember it? Them. And then he states the new covenant. What will be changed? You will be changed. God wants you, Uncle Sam. God is going to supernaturally make a change to you. Not His Word. We will be changed. God has transformed the system. The new covenant system, which relies on our priest after the order of Melchizedek, who's going to go into a, has gone into a heavenly temple and brought blood there and ordained a better covenant for us. The responsibilities, now listen to me carefully, the responsibilities and requirements of the Old Covenant will be replaced by Spirit-led internal obedience that is a gift from God. You hear me? Everybody jumps at Spirit-led. Ooh, yeah. Walking in the Spirit. No, I'm talking about really walking in the Spirit. You know what that looks like? I'm, I'm grateful to Daniel Lancaster for pointing this Scripture out in a, in a book I read. Walking by the Spirit, what does it look like? Isaiah tells you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, here's what Isaiah says about walking in the Spirit. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And finally, we will truly understand Torah when God writes it on your heart, but there's an amazing, it, it will no longer be external and difficult to walk out because if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I know I'm up here and I'm wearing a nice suit and I'm supposed to be the rabbi and have everything figured out. I don't. Big surprise. The Torah is difficult for me to overcome my still existing evil inclination that dwells within me. And I bet maybe one of you has the same problem. Maybe. Maybe. But when we're walking that way, the revelation of Torah will come through Mashiach. And this is what comes before that 3021 about walking in the Spirit in Isaiah. Your teacher will no longer hide himself but your eyes will behold your teacher. Do you get that? Walking in the Spirit, Messiah who has brought the Holy Spirit, inaugurated the new covenant, God is writing Torah on your heart, and we hear the voice, don't turn to the right or to the left. That's the way you need to go. That's the way you need to go. Messiah revealing Torah internally, so that you can walk it out externally in perfection. Judaism refers to this as the inner Torah. 
the Torah of Messiah, the supernal Torah, the heavenly Torah, that Messiah reveals all of this in the Messianic age and beyond. A covenant, a new covenant for a different world, the Messianic age and the world to come. And you're going to find out that the Messianic age is connected both to this world and the next. We'll get there. But that's what it looks like when we're walking in a new covenant. And sadly, this remains our prayer today. Yeshua, please come. Please save us. Please bring the fullness of the new covenant. Please write Torah on our hearts. God, the Father will do it. He will supernaturally do it. And that's our prayer still because it hasn't happened. But I'm going to conclude with this. My favorite new covenant scripture. Everyone knows this one, Ezekiel 36. It's small print, but this, is, this, this used to be my favorite. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk, Isaiah 30, in my statutes. Everyone knows this one. This is the covenant which I will make. This is Jeremiah, right? The new covenant text, but I want to give you a new one. You recognize this one? You can read it there. And you know it very well because um, Damien, we all know that scripture in Messianic Judaism because that's the scripture that we use to always be the basis for our argument that Yeshua did not overturn the Torah. Right? That I, I, nothing's going to pass away. Heaven and earth, none of it until the time of completion. We'll talk about what that actually means. Whoever then annuls will be the least. Whoever teaches will be the greatest. And this. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you've heard a hundred messages on this, no doubt but probably never one that connects it to the New Covenant. So here we go. What does that mean? Somebody give me a 15-second. What does that mean? You, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? They were Torah observant, right? Okay, good things, good things. Let me, let, me, let me wrap this up. Here's what I used to think that meant. It used to meant to me, <clears throat> long time ago, Yeshua hates those guys, the Pharisees and the scribes. Like, if that's the measure of how much better I have to be, I'm in good shape because he doesn't have anything good to say about them. He doesn't like them at all, so I'm good. Or I also would say, by the way, that's not true. 
Yeshua didn't hate the scribes and Pharisees, but they were his brothers, and he argued with them and criticized them and corrected them, just like an internal family dispute would take place. He didn't hate them. He loved them, but they were in error. The other thing I thought it meant was, well, so I don't think that's possible, but Yeshua's totally righteous, so if I accept Yeshua, my righteousness, it, that, that'll get me in. And that's also a very easy, easy thing. But I finally get this, at least according to my new interpretation. This is a new covenant, prophetic, messianic text in a profoundly beautiful way that Messiah is saying. Tune in for five minutes and we'll get there. What is going on? Yeshua says, I didn't come to tear down the Torah. I came to build it up, to fill it full, to bring the full interpretation, to reveal the inner Torah, the supernal heavenly Torah, the Torah of Messiah. I came to reveal it. And guess what's going to happen? I'm about to make it even harder for you. Because right after this, he continues into the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't make it easier. He didn't re- lower, the, lower the parameters. You know that thing about adultery? That's easy. Don't commit adultery. That's easy. Anyone can do that. Now I don't even want you to look. I don't even want you to let the thought in your mind. That thing about murder, that's easy. I don't even want you to become angry at your brother. That thing about revenge, eye for an eye, that's too easy. I want you to turn the other cheek. That is not what I would call a lessening of our Torah responsibilities, would you? As a matter of fact, I want you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Cakewalk, right? We're all doing that now. We're great at that. And they say to him in response, but Yeshua, the scribes, the Pharisees, our religious leaders, our teachers, our guides, they can't even do that. They live by the Torah as righteous Jews. Many of them do anyway. Participants in the covenant of Sinai, Moses, the first covenant. And what you're asking is beyond even them. And Yeshua's response is, I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And they say, but how? How? Can we be perfect like our Father in heaven? To which Yeshua replies, I'm so glad you asked. This Torah, this Torah on this earth, live by it, love by it, walk by it, teach it, honor it, continue to be participants in this covenant, the first one, but my Father in heaven is doing a new thing. I always make fun of that scripture when people try to say he's doing a new thing, and then some crazy 
theological thing comes behind that. This is real. We can finally say he's doing a new thing. And I am here to bring the new covenant, to reveal the truest beauty of Torah. It will be written on your heart. You know that Jeremiah thing? That Jeremiah thing. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, let me just refresh your memory on my main message. Repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near. In me, you will be empowered to know Torah, to walk out Torah, not to fight against your inner nature that I know you struggle with. I will transform it. My righteousness will be your righteousness. And those Pharisees and scribes, they ain't got nothing on you when I'm done with you. As a matter of fact, if you're not with me, you're not even going in. And neither are they. And then this famous thing comes up. I told you that he didn't hate them. The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. What does that mean? They know what to do. They teach you what to do, but they don't do it. They understand the Torah of this world, but there's a deeper meaning, there's more to it, and that's what I'm telling you. There's more than not adultery, there's more than not revenge, there's more than not murder, and you are going to receive inside a change that will reveal it all to you. In that day, you'll do it. Practice it now. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing. We're practicing something. Teach it now. Live it now to the best. Don't diminish it. Don't annul it. Don't uphold it. For this Torah will not pass away as long as heaven and earth remain, but this present world is passing away. But thanks to me, and our Father in heaven. Better days are ahead. You will receive promises of a better covenant. The Spirit will be your guide. You will finally live not by the letter of the law, that is this world's version of the Torah, but by the Spirit of the law, which is the Torah of Messiah. The completely revealed, divine, supernal, heavenly Torah. The same Torah revealed in a different light. And when Yeshua had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. Do you hear that? It's almost like they heard something new. Man, how do we become like God? Perfect like our Father in heaven. We cannot in this present age, in our present strength. We try. We do try. 
We fight against the darkness of our nature, the evil of this world, our own evil inclination and thoughts, and it is incumbent on you and me to fight the good fight. But Hebrews tells us in 8.13, in saying new, He has treated the first as old. What is being made old and aging is close to vanishing. This world, this struggle, this struggle is aging. It will come to an end. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. Better promises. A discussion for the next time. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.